Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of the South Bay Show, South Bay Spotlight. We're spotlighting one of the truly amazing organizations here in the South Bay, the Beach Cities Symphony Orchestra. And uh, my co-host today is a special guest, uh, Erica Snow Robinson. Hi, Erica. Well, hey, Joe. Thanks for having us. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We're going to have a, a wonderful uh, time today. We're going to be discussing uh, this wonderful celebration of the 70th season of the Beach City Symphony Orchestra, and we have special guests with us, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I don't have a, a, a set uh, introduction myself because <laughs> – um, we have so many people to talk with. We're going to just get into the conversation. Uh, Erica, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Joe. We're talking about the gay bus, <laughs> which is called yeah. Summer in February. That's our theme. And the gala is upcoming on Leap Year Saturday, February 29th. And we will be celebrating 70 years in, as an orchestra also, we're honoring Bob Peterson of 70 years with the Beach City Symphony. He's a founding family along with the Hunters, the Perdons, the Cathers, the Crankies, Johnsons, and a few others. Also, we're going to be talking to our four amazing maestros. They're so awesome um, because each one of them gets one concert this season, and that's their audition. And then we hope to keep one of them for permanent next year. The choice is going to be terribly difficult because they're all young and brilliant and wildly talented, as we will hear later. Um, Rehearsals and the two concerts so far have been amazing and a total game changer thanks to these four guys, and that's our focus. Of course, it's Jeffrey Pope, Paul Piazza, Paul Piazza, uh, Dean Anderson, and Mike Stanley. Um, The gala itself is sponsored by Nest Vodka. Hermosa Beach Rotary, Amcom, Realtor Michelle Brown, and other local families. And we're going to have a specialty cocktail for the evening using Neft. Um, the walk-up music for the gala, because I love baseball, just like baseball. We're, we're rock stars as well, so we have walk-up music. We're going to be using the strings from the Beach City Symphony. Everybody gets a sit-down dinner, dessert, or d'oeuvres. We have dancing um, by two South Bay locals, Steve Curto and Scott Fleetwood. All non-alcoholic drinks are free, and then everyone gets a comped adult beverage drink ticket. They can buy more tickets, of course, for drinks, beer, wine, and cocktail for $5 a piece. Also, everyone gets one comped opportunity ticket for raffles that we're doing, and um, those can be bought also for a dollar a piece. Plus, we have a silent auction. And all this fabulousness is going to be at the Alta Vista Community Center, 715 Julia Avenue in South Redondo at the corner of Camina Real and South Juanita. And we're hoping to build our audience and get the next generation interested in some of the most amazing music ever created. Hopefully, we will inspire the next generation to write more new classics, just like our maestros. Our, uh, some of them are composers, um, so we'll, we'll see if we can't jumpstart that. And our revamped website can be visited at www.beachcitiessymphony.org, and that's plural on the Beach Cities. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. Um, it's it's very, very exciting. Um, we're going to have everybody join us right now. And I think, Erica, one of the things that is unique about the Beach City Symphony that really um, most people don't understand is is the nature of a volunteer orchestra. So I think I'm going to have special guest Bob Peterson talk to us about the nature of a volunteer orchestra. Uh, Bob, are you there? I am here. Yes. Well, okay. So not only are you there and you're here, but Bob, 
how long have you been with the Beach City Symphony Orchestra? Well, I was asked to come and join the orchestra for its first uh, rehearsal in uh, 1950 and 1951. And we started giving four con, four or five concerts a year, and several of my friends were asked also. So it's uh, you, Bob, a sort of a, you, it's a community sure? orchestra, Joe. A community. A community. Are you sure it wasn't the second or third rehearsal? It was the first? No, I was at the first rehearsal. <laughs> okay. No and, problem. And we we kind of <laughs> we know. And, and please go on. And in those days, the guy that was conducting was Vernon Robinson. He he had been uh, uh, a conductor of, of music at the Pepperdine University, and in those days, instead of being in Malibu, it was in. Uh, in South Vermont, between Man- Manchester and Florence Avenue, and uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Verdon was a good conductor, but it, but he only lasted two or three years. After that, we had to search mm-hmm. for other conductors. Right. Well, and we've had we're probably. Again, Bob. Huh? Say that again. We're searching for other conductors. We're searching for other conductors. As right now, right now, aren't we? Well, that's because right Barry <clears throat> Barry Brisk, who conducted for 25 years, had decided to retire from our orchestra, not from music, but from our orchestra. And uh, right, these guys, these four guys, and I've seen them all at work, are just amazing. Any one of them would be a credit to the community orchestra that we belong to, Beach City Symphony. Any one. They are ridiculous. <laughs> we're we're going to talk to each of them, Bob, and and we're going to include you in, into the conversation because today's theme we're we're going to talk about music, which you know normally I would like to have pieces of music, but today we're going to talk about music, and we're going to talk about the life of music, being in music, being in the life of music, and so. Uh, in a random order, uh, Paul, are you there with us, Paul Piazza? Yes, I am. We're, tell us a little bit about how you began your life of music. Sure thing. Well, first of all, let me say thank you so much for having all of us on the show today to talk about uh, all of these aspects of music making. I could never imagine I would be on a seven-way conversation with four other conductors and all this stuff. So thank you for making it happen for all of us. This is very fun. In terms of how I got into music, I grew up in a musical family. My father is a conductor and a clarinetist at the professional level, and my uh, mother is a singer, and she was a high school choir director for many years. So I had the, um, uh, you could say the genes of, of making music, but truly I grew up making music as a trumpeter mainly, uh, as well as a singer, but uh, it wasn't really until I went off to college at the University of Miami that I really started to discover my own personal relationship with music. And everybody's got their own different <clears throat> avenue to how they fall in love with music, but that was me. So coming home from that, uh, it's been it's been a wonderful journey ever since. You you make music in every way you can, as in my case, as a singer, as a trumpet player, as a conductor, and uh, at the end, end of the day, you try to have a fulfilling artistic life while putting food on the table. Right, right. You got to you got to put food on the table. And Mike, I'm going to come to you next. Mike Stanley. All right. How did you begin hello. your life? Hello. How did you begin your life in music? Uh, well, my parents were amateur musicians, but I was in a, in sort of a musical household. My mom and my sisters uh, played the piano and I started getting into music in around the middle school years, um, and I took up the French horn, uh, which is something that Bob and I have in common. We're both horn players. Um, and mm-hmm. I took it up in the middle school years, and I played through high school, and I really fell in love with the music you know, during high school. So by the end of high school, I knew that that's what I wanted to do, and I started pursuing that both in college and on my own outside of school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Dean? You're next up, Dean Anderson. Uh, same question. 
how did you begin your life in music? Um, I would say I uh, the first time I ever heard Mozart's Eine Kleine Nacht music on the radio at the I think I was about maybe five or six years old, and I um, I said uh, I I remember thinking what is making that beautiful sound and I I want to do that, um, and uh, my mother said no, that's a violin or those are those are strings and. I didn't know what a violin was, um, but uh, mm-hmm. so my mom took me to the store and uh, showed me, and I said, oh, I, I have to do that. My my parents were both physicians, so I, I didn't come from any professional music background, but but uh, being Filipino-American, Filipinos, I, I, they're very music-oriented. <laughs> they love they, making music, just comes out of them, seems like, um, at least my family was like that. So there was always music around um, but, uh, I think mm-hmm. I was, I was the only one that said, I, I've got to make this my life. So I, I studied the violin <laughs> and, uh, and then later on fell in love with conducting. So that's, uh, kind of how I got into it. And, uh, to round out our, uh, four maestros, uh, Jeffrey Pope, um, what, what was the spark that brought you to a life of music? Well, I think there were a, a few uh, a few sparks, um, but what uh, what got me going was the opportunity to take piano lessons. Uh, and uh, both my parents are academics, uh, and they're not musicians. Uh, but similar to Dean, they were very supportive of my interests. So I I started as a pianist and. Um, Maybe I was a bit of a rebel, but I, I got into composition early and was interested in conducting, I guess, at a fairly early age. I started taking lessons when I was 14, uh, but I found that the three of those uh, disciplines really informed each other, and uh, I, I found it wonderful to be able to work with people, uh, particularly my own mm-hmm. age when I was I was growing up. So that's my that's my origin story. Okay, okay, beautiful. Um, this this is the theme today, as we uh, head uh, towards the gala, is uh, you know how is it that we as a group? Uh, I'm a, uh, a very interested listener. Uh, and we have uh, musicians and we have conductors and how we as a group can encourage the next generation uh, to be fascinated by, um, to encounter music. And uh, a lot of that is going to happen over the next uh, several years. And, and we want to find out what is the best opportunities. I mean, Erica, do we, do we have to join the Marines? Is that the best way to become uh, inspired uh, by no. music? No, no, that's not exactly uh, the route <laughs> I would recommend. However, um, as you know, uh, I did play music in the Marine Corps. I was a bassoonist. I was a field musician, and I play. I marched with a tenor sax, which I've been doing since seventh grade. And it's a couple things struck me listening to the for my shows talk. Um, you know, we all come to music in our own way. My dad happened to be a um, an amazing jazz pianist and saxophonist, and I started learning piano when I was in the third grade, and I hated it. But mm. um, it did teach me to read music, and he taught me lots of good things. And so when I went in Texas, of course, everybody is either in football or band, and I'm not a dude. So, band it mm-hmm. was, and uh, when I showed up, I wanted to play French horn, of all things, <laughs> and they have a ton of instruments, but unfortunately, they had given them all away, and I was tall, I still am, actually, pretty tall, and I've got very large <laughs> hands, so they said, sit down in this chair, <laughs> and they brought me this thing that I, was the wildest looking thing I've ever seen, and they said, okay, your mouth goes here, see if you can make a note. And I did, and they said, this is a bassoon. And uh, that was it. I was hooked. They showed me how to put it together and take it apart. I was 10 years old, and I've been playing for 39 years. So um, 
But that leads me to the the next thing with the kids. Like um, like Dean was talking about, and I think Jeffrey, you know, obviously the parents weren't um, musicians, but they support and, you know, love the arts or whatever. And that's how we get the next generation. I mean, we just, we start playing them, you know, Mozart and Beethoven in the womb. We put ear earbuds, not earbuds, they used to be, ear, uh, you know, headphones, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I did that for my kids when I was pregnant. You know, we we let them hear the music in the womb. We just got to right. keep it going, um, you know, to get the right. get the next generation, man. And I will say this: East City Symphony, and I'm hoping um, we can step this up once we um, get our new uh, conductor. But we do already. Um, we offer two middle school scholarships per year at $500 a piece, which hardly anybody knows about. Um, and then, right. of course, our May concert, which Mike Stanley will be directing, um, we have – it's called the Artists of the Future. And we feature four um, kiddos from ages 8 to 18. And these kids are ridiculous. Right. I mean, they are just sick when it comes to their their craft and what they're doing. And um, mm-hmm. you know that's how we do it. We just we just keep encouraging. In I'm I'm a software engineer, and I'll, I can I can attest to the fact that music, like mathematics, is something that can be born anew in the young. And there are some young mathematicians today, young software engineers today, that are simply spectacular. And, and, and I say spectacular, I mean historically spectacular. The next Einstein is alive today and young. And, and it's, 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 it's game-changing. And that is really right. what's exciting about uh, the world in general and, and music in particular. So, uh, you know, Erica, without... Uh, you know, a script, I'm going to ask each of the maestros to just give us a little bit of a sense of, of what they would do. And we're going we're gonna to have to do it in timed fashion because we have so many people. But give us a sense of what, what their vision would be for the future of uh, the Beach City idea, Erica. Uh, yeah, I say go for it because um, that's one of the things we're looking forward to most. Um, not only mm-hmm. has the have the four of them, um, you know, already leaps and bounds and raised us up and really, um, you know, we've risen to the challenge as a community orchestra because you know we're almost a hundred percent volunteer. I mean, we we're right. heavily majority volunteer, so they've really raised our game. Um, but that's the other thing that we're looking forward to is some, you know, fresh ideas and and um, new excitement kind of thing, you know. Right, right. So, uh, Jeffrey, let me ask you, Jeffrey Pope, what what yeah. is it about the volunteer orchestra that you believe in in a in a in a short few paragraphs? What is it that you believe that you can you can t- where you can take the Beach City Symphony Orchestra as its music director. Sure. Well, I think I think one of the most important things about any kind of orchestral playing is that it is um, an experience uh, that you have over a rehearsal process and in the concert. But at the same time, the audience is coming in and they are seeing what amounts to a result. They're seeing the concert. They're not necessarily seeing the experience uh, of musical growth in those rehearsals. Um, so mm. aside from um, aside from the musical growth uh, factor, which I think is the most important or the, the most special, uh, as a as a you know a small business in a sense, as a nonprofit, we have certain obligations. So I, I think, you know, very first, um, 
financially we need to we need to uh, get a, a bit of a stronger uh, footprint, and that's always a challenge for um, for uh, nonprofits. But uh, one of the things I've suggested is forming uh, strategic partnerships with the local aerospace industry because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, interest and uh, and uh, potential support there. Um, I think it would be great if we could increase our music library budget so that we can rent uh, more contemporary music. That's very expensive. Um, let's see. I've proposed a uh, film with live orchestra concert or um, a pops concert each season. I think that will really appeal to some audience. Um, and um, uh, Erica was mentioning our our young people. Well, we also have an interns program um, for high school students, and it would be wonderful to get them more involved. They're so great with uh, social media and, and other kinds of dissemination. Um, I think that would be mm -hmm. great. Um, and and you know, and similar to that too, we we support a couple of. Um, of young musicians through those great scholarships, I think it would be great to welcome some of the more serious younger musicians in our community to uh, to audition for the orchestra as members. Um, and, uh, and so that that's essentially, you know, there's a financial component, um, and and of course the most important really is the musical component. But the, as Erica said, these are mostly volunteers. And it's really mm -hmm. important mm -hmm. to be able to in increase the orchestra's musical value, but not uh, not sacrifice the, the spirit of it. I think. Right, right, and and Dean, I wanna I wanna give you an opportunity to give us a vision for a a Dean Anderson music director of the Beach City Symphony Orchestra. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I um. Just um, you know, one of the things that I believe sets the the volunteer organization apart and makes it very special is that no one is there grudgingly. <laughs> they are there because they love the music, um, and I think it's that love of music that um, is the most important thing to inspire in our community and for the next generation. Um, you know, it's amazing. This is the 250th anniversary year of Beethoven's birth, and this year, 2020. There are young uh, people that are coming to um, acknowledge the great music of, of the masters like Beethoven. Um, and uh, that's something that is not just from exposing them to the music, you know, having the concert and buying them in. I think, I think that it goes beyond that. It's, it's when young, young uh, students or young people look at the older generation and just see how much they love it. How, not, not it's not enough for them to just go and listen or hear it on the radio or YouTube or anything like that. They actually have to make the music themselves. And I think it's that love mm -hmm. of playing and rehearsing that I think is so important. So one of the things that I'd like to see that it, that encourages that um, love of music in the community is uh, um, inviting people to come in, watch a rehearsal, watch the process. As uh, my colleague Jeffrey mm -hmm. was saying that, uh, you know, this is a this is not just the end product, but also the the process of making. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that uh, um, inviting them to see kind of what goes on behind the scenes is uh, giving them the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think is important. Um, you know, branding. Uh, you know, from just the business and marketing aspect, branding us as the uh, the symphony that's uh, similar to like McDonald's. I'm loving it, sort of thing. Where we, you know, why do we do what we do? I think it's so important these days for people to constantly be aware of why it is that we do what we do. Um, professional mm -hmm. orchestras, while they may be thriving with bigger budgets and great, uh, you know, high levels of performances, you know, it, a lot of them are there, you know, uh, at some point in time, they're there, you know, they've worked really hard and they're, they're there for the paycheck. Um, uh, with volunteers, you know, it's like, I'm only here because I love it. I'm here because of the connection of the community yeah. and the connection to the music. And so I would love to see programs that, that nurture that, that nurture that spirit and attitude uh, in the community. And I'm, I'm sure there are very creative ways that we could come together and uh, come up with some initiative, initiatives uh, to, to nurture that and foster that growth. 
I, Mike uh, Stanley, I, I think yeah. that this is such a unique uh, opportunity for the orchestra to really set a new direction. I mean, 25 years with Barry Brisk. What a what a run. I mean, what a what a what a, a unique uh, time the orchestra has had. It's hard to believe that the next music director is going to go 25 years, Mike. But if they did, and it was Mike mm-hmm. Stanley, what would those 25 years look like? Well, first I want to say that, you know, both Jeffrey and Dean have hit on a lot of really great uh, points of things that we could do to improve the outreach of the orchestra. Um, I would definitely like to reach into, you know, talking about bringing in the next generation of music lovers. Um, as a music teacher, I'd really like to reach out to the local schools and get those music students involved because, as was mentioned already, I think it's one thing to create an audience of listeners, but when, when kids actually make the music themselves, whether they play in middle school, high school, whatever, they get the experience, you know, as Dean was saying, how it's made, how the music is made. And most of them aren't going to go on to be mm-hmm. professional musicians, but they sure will go on to be an educated audience and they'll bring their kids and mm-hmm. stuff to future concerts. So, you know, reaching out to um, one thing that I know is successful is doing um, something called a side-by-side concert where, for example, we'd go out to the local high school orchestras and we would audition or by teacher recommendation bring in the very top students from that orchestra and have them actually sit in with the Beach Cities and perform and get them involved. And they would get that. If, if, for example, they're interested in pursuing music, they would have the chance to play in a group you know, that loves music and also is probably playing repertoire that they wouldn't get the chance to play at their school in a full symphony orchestra. So it could be a really great way mm-hmm. to bring more kids in, in addition to the, the students that win the scholarship and get to perform with the orchestra, just to have kids um, be able to be in the orchestra and experience a concert and sit next to someone who plays their instrument, who's, you know, maybe be- better player than them, has lots of experience, and the kids can see that love of music from the inside out. I think that would be something that would inspire, you know, the community to come in and get involved, which I think bringing in the community as much as possible, since it's a community orchestra, I think would be a great way to expand the, the connection. Like, we want, to know, we want everyone in the South Bay to know that Beat Cities is our orchestra, and, it's, and we adopt this orchestra, and we support this orchestra, you know, and when when a schedule goes out and there's a concert, you know, that it should be a community event, ideally, you know, something where everybody knows about it, and especially in the music community, and wants to attend, you know, to be part of, so that they're supporting their community. Right, right, right. And Paul, Paul Piazza, we, we, we celebrate uh, this coming gala, uh, Bob Peterson being there for 70 years what what can we do to bring the next Bob Peterson in to the orchestra, Paul? Well, first of all, uh, again, what Jeff and what Dean and what Mike said hit a lot of amazing points. So I, I all I can do is add on top of those generally, which is um, talking about the love of music always being the most important thing, like Dean said, uh, at the core of what we do, our product must have always be of the highest quality. And at the end of the day, whatever you do in terms of engagement, outreach, concert stylings, concert formats, the music itself must sound tremendous. And it's possible to do that, and it happens all the time with this wonderful group of musicians. Um, I'll give a, a short anecdote about what brings in audiences uh, being quality. Uh, one of my best friends in the whole world uh, a couple of years ago not a musician at all, not musically inclined. I dragged him to a concert of the Cleveland Orchestra in the Arch Center down in Miami, Florida. And on the program was Beethoven 5 and Prokofiev's suite from uh, Romeo and Juliet. And he enjoyed the Beethoven. It was fine, but he knew it already. But the thing that caught his attention that actually turned him that day into a lifelong lover of music was the incredible sound and complexity and beauty in the Prokofiev, which is a more challenging piece to listen to. Um, so I think the lesson there is that we don't, with audiences, we don't need to necessarily um, coddle them. We want them to be comfortable. We want them to love the music they're hearing. But at the end of the day, if the product, if the music coming out of the orchestra is beautiful and ferocious and tremendous and all those things that classical music can be, then people will love it. 
that's at the most basic point of it. I'm lucky enough to be involved in a lot of community engagement projects, projects with New West Symphony, such as the Music Van, where we, we take an oversized van of musical instruments, and we take them to schools all throughout the Ventura County. And kids actually get a chance to try all of the symphonic instruments before they come to a concert with the orchestra. Perhaps something like that is possible with Beach City Symphony, a side-by-side concert like what Mike Stanley is talking about, so that there's not only uh, a new audience listening to the music, but actively engaged, interacting with it. But that's also possible for adult audiences, too. There's no reason that concerts can't be structured in such a way that the audience themselves during the concert has some interactive portion uh, to play within the concert experience. Um, so doing all those things, then you spark a love of music. And of those folks who have a music, a love of music sparked within them, some of them pick up an instrument. And of those people, some of them want to be regularly involved with a symphony orchestra. And then suddenly you've got a 22-year-old, uh, let's say, oboe player who's picking it up, who just picked it up a couple years in high school, fell in love with it because of an interactive experience. And now they're set to have a run like Bob Peterson where they're in the orchestra for 50 years, as long as they don't run out of reeds. Right. So um, so that's how we get a Bob Peterson. But at the end of the day, regardless of whether they're in the orchestra for 50 years, if somebody comes to one single rehearsal and they walk away changed in a positive and beautiful way for having experienced the music on a deeper level in a rehearsal, then I feel great about that because that person is walking away with something special that you can't get in your daily reality. Um, in the professional life of being a lawyer or an engineer or uh, a math teacher, you have so many special experiences there, but you come to a music-making experience to make music. And at the end of the day, that's always got to come first. Right. Right. Joe? Right. Joe, uh, yeah. Joe this is Bob Peterson. I, I want to hey, say Bob. something. Yes, Over sir. the years, I've played alongside some wonderful, wonderful French horn players. And our orchestra has had a young timpani percussion player who went on to become one of the Los Angeles Philharmonic's finest percussionists for many years. We have currently uh, one of our violin soloists that soloed with us when he was in high school. He's a concertmaster of the Munich Symphony Orchestra, and we've had Various young people go on to play in the Philharmonic, so it's been a great experience for young people. And uh, uh, I'm old now, so the reason I got into music was because my dad says, when I was 10 years old, he says, because I was born here in Los Angeles, and he says, when I was 10 years old in 1931, he said, "Son, do you want to play an instrument?" I, I'm 10 years old, so I said, sure. And they were organizing the official Olympic, 1932 Olympic Boys Band. Bunch of uh, music teachers and instrument sellers. And they, while they eventually broke up, like in Music Man, the musical, they, uh, we actually had a group of us about 40 that marched in the opening ceremonies of the 1932 Olympics at the Coliseum, and I was there. Yes. So I've had some thrills nope. in my life. And nope. Uh, nope, Bob. If, if music wasn't there, I would not be me. Pardon? It, 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 there, there, there is no doubt that the 1936 Olympic Games are among the most iconic propaganda-based Olympics in history. Of course, I'm speaking of the 1936 Olympics in uh, Germany under the full display and the full display of the Nazi uh, regime in Germany. But what isn't as, as well remembered or talked about or often talked about are the 1932 Olympic Games in Los Angeles, which were every bit as spectacular and memorable. How were you involved with the 1932 Olympic Games in Los Angeles? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was in a music class, a boys' brass brand, and 
our conductor, a guy named Ernest M. Pollock. He was a trumpet player. He was an amazing man. He could smoke a cigarette and play trumpet simultaneously. I, I don't know how he ever did that. But when you're a child, that's a fascinating experience. Anyway, he organized us, and we did. were one of the several boys' bands that marched in the Coliseum. And it sort of changed my life. And then I went to a junior high school in South L.A. called Horace Mann near Florence and Western. And we had a great music teacher there, Louis DePolito. We called him Mr. D. Nobody mm. could remember his name. And Mr. D, mm. it was there that I changed from alto horn to French horn. He uh, he got more students into music for a lifetime. A lot of them were music teachers. A few of them were good professionals. But most of them were just music lovers, and it's a wonderful way for right. doing So our Beach right. City Symphony gives free concerts at El Camino Auditorium. Now, the biggest audience we ever had over the 70 years was 1,200. And nowadays, we don't get that many. But yeah. that well, was a great... Go ahead. But we're going to change that. No, uh, uh, yeah, Erica change, was just we're saying gonna we're going to have we're going to change that, Bob. We're going to have huge audiences. We're going to we're going to extend the audiences live using technology. We're going to we're going to live stream our concerts. We're going to we're going to benefit from that live streaming. Hopefully, monetize that and have people uh, actually subscribe and and pay money. We're, the, Bob, what, well, part what of, has part gone of on? Say that again, say, Erica. What I was, well, Erica? what I was going to say is, part of our efforts is just getting the word out. And you know, um, I joined just before the 50th season. That's crazy to say, but uh, um, so I've been with the orchestra like 22 years. But on the on the decades of our 50th and our 60th. We had really big audiences because we did, um, to celebrate the decade, um, we did a spectacular um, Beethoven's uh, Ninth Symphony with a full choir. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. so, of course. Yeah, that was that, wonderful, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that was a ton of fun. It's something that crazy always gets people in the seats. But I'm hoping with our, our because it, the 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 excitement of these conductors it's just been so great and i'm hoping you know we continue that next year with whoever we pick and honestly it's funny because i had um some of the musicians come up to me after the last couple concerts and they're saying things like oh my gosh i forgot we were a community orchestra or um, they make me want to practice again, or oh, you know, I mean, you know, it's just it's so. And I think that's translating into the audience and the membership, and um, and I hope to see that continue. Good. We agree. It's good. <clears throat> and Bob, I guess yeah. nobody could ever remember. Uh, Mr. D's name, except Bob Peterson, seventy years later. Well, there's many things in life that you remember that nobody else cares about. <laughs> I but guess. I guess. The, but the, the music people I've met, some some have been on their way up to professional. Some are. We had a guy, a French horn player, that retired from. The L.A. Phil, after he was one of the guys that started the L.A. Horn Club, charter member of that, and his name was Arthur France, and he came in and after he retired from the Philharmonic, I think he might have even been fired. I don't know, <laughs> but anyway, after he got out of it, <laughs> he came and played with us, and I learned so much from that man, so many wonderful <laughs> things. So it, it's a wonderful learning experience. And it, and it keeps you from getting old, although I'm old. I, right. I'm not. Uh, I'm not through yet. That's so right. You're not hey, the through other yet. thing I wanted to get out of the um, 
out of the four maestros because, you know, I know our time is limited yeah. and I, I really want to kind of yes. showcase them because their bios are ridiculous. Um, yeah. They're just, their bios are amazing if you read them. So I wanted to, maybe if we could give each one of them a chance to just say a couple things about like the highlights of their careers so far, because they've yep. all just done yep. some amazing, amazing things. Oh, of course. Let's, let's start with uh, Paul Piazza. Let's start with you. We're going to give you a, uh, uh, basically a two minute closing statement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start with, of course, the highlight of my career so far has been conducting the wonderful beach city symphony. Ah! Uh, my God. That one. Job is not on the line. <laughs> Everyone else, you might want to start right, the same can... way here. <laughs> he gets so, another 30 um, seconds for that. <laughs> well, besides the Beat City Symphony, just every opportunity I've uh, had to make music with a new set of people. Uh, recently started collaborating with uh, violinists in the Los Angeles area uh, to start up a new music ensemble. And we did a really, really well-received performance of Arnold Schoenberg's Piero Lunaire, which is, uh, as Jeffrey knows, because he's conducted it as well, is not an easy piece of music for the audience, for the performers, or for the conductor, or for the singer. And so being able to take that music, which I love and which I fell in love with, and to be able to uh, realize that music with these performers in a casual environment in Woodland Hills in an area that's not necessarily used to new music concerts happening and for so many people to uh, be exposed to uh, a possible love of Arnold Schoenberg's music also. That was a major highlight, and that just happened this past July. Uh, that wasn't conducting the Berlin Philharmonic. Uh, that was something um, kind of in some ways representative of what I want to do with my career, which is foster these intimate connections of music making with audiences and performers and with myself and, and with composers living and not living. Um, right. There's other stuff, but they all fall along the same lines. I just love making music with new people in new ways and hopefully sparking a love of this, this particular art form. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, well, uh, with that, is if that's uh, your closing arguments, uh, Mike Stanley, <laughs> give us give us give us a, uh, a couple minutes of uh, your resume and and your your career. All right. Well, um, as I mentioned before, I've wanted to conduct for a long time. I knew in high school. Actually, when I got out of high school, I wanted to conduct so bad, and no one would give me a chance. So I formed my own group which I ended up running for 10 years as a way to just give myself experience. And, you know, as Paul mentioned, get the chance to make music with lots of great people. It was a community band and it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot and I've made lifelong friends from, from doing that. Um, since then, you know, I've um, definitely one of my highlights was um, guest conducting Beat Cities a couple of years ago on the Candide Overture by Bernstein, which is one of my all time favorite pieces. That was a great opportunity and I've had the chance to work with the Burbank Philharmonic for the last several years as well and just gotten to do some amazing music with them. Probably Beethoven's Eroica Symphony might be the highlight of all of those pieces. It's a huge monumental symphony, and um, I've enjoyed that. And um, also as a, um, as a music educator, just, you know, being able to reach audiences and, you know, uh, bring students in to hear the concerts, that's definitely been one of the highlights, too, to see kids you know, have the light bulb go on um, and fall in love with music, as was already talked about. I think that's really important. Um, you know, other other things, um, anytime I've gotten to perform, you know, in a special venue, whether that be um, Disney Hall or Carnegie Hall or any one of those, it creates like this lifelong memory of, you know, being in this special place where so many great musicians before me have, have come and performed. Um, and I think that those are all part of what makes me who I am as a conductor and sort of uh, highlights of what I've done and where I'd like to take the Beach Cities Orchestra into the future. Right, right. Beautiful. Fantastic. Uh, Dean, uh, give us a few highlights from your musical life. Well, um, you know, it's, uh, I was just thinking as, uh, as uh, Paul and Mike were talking, I'm like thinking, wow, it's so hard to just pinpoint one because uh, it's almost <laughs> like asking somebody, 
<laughs> uh, can you tell me when the greatest moment is with the love of your life? Like, there's not just one, you know. It's, <laughs> there's just so many, and it's an ongoing thing, you know. It's such a, a deeply fulfilling and satisfying uh, lifestyle to be in music and to be in the arts. And and um, for me, most of it is just the, all the different people that I've uh, had such a great opportunity and honor of working with at all levels. Um, there's something about music that brings people together. And I think it's that togetherness that really weighs on me um, and, and really impacts me the most. Um, I mean, some significant performances, I, I, I would say last year on Mozart's birthday weekend, I was able to conduct his Requiem in a in the church where Botticelli was buried in Ferenzi. And I, I thought to myself, you know, Mozart, of course, was the first composer I fell in love with, you know, and, and his music and I, I just became this this obsessed with Mozart's life and music and and, uh, and to be able to do that it was just such a momentous occasion in my mind. But even more so, what made it special were just the, the the orchestra and the choir and the soloists and everyone that I got to work with in this special place um, just really hit home to me that no matter where I go in the world, there's this shared love of music and shared respect and passion for. Uh, for uh, music and art that that we that come together and bring that so i see that in all different cultures in asian culture south american culture and uh and uh, of course here at home and it never goes away it's every day is a new day um and i the 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 moment that i come across a new piece of music that i know has been out in the repertoire for a while um i think one one year it was the strauss wind serenade or something uh uh, that I, I always ask myself, it has that impact on me that says, um, how have I lived this long and not heard this piece of music? And then you feel like it's uh, such a joy to be alive. It really, it's that kind of joy that music brings to the world and to the community. And I'm just so thrilled to, to continue uh, to be a part of it. So, yes, even with my first rehearsal at Beach Cities last Wednesday, I was just instantly connected. I mean, this is a room full of people who are so friendly uh, so warm, and um, you know we're just getting to know each other. But instantly, it was like let's make music together, you know. Um, and uh, and it's just such a wonderful thrill to continue to be in this in, in this world. Mm. Wow, wow, fantastic! And and now uh, Jeffrey Jeffrey Polk, um, when you think about your life of music, what what stands out? What what were what were the highlights that you think? really made this life of music uh, something you needed to do. Well, thank you. And and to be irreverent for just a moment, um, I, I have to object to this closing remarks thing. Um, I, I had a, a teacher once who said, who said, if you want to be a conductor, he, he said, well, uh, you don't talk about politics, you know, and, um, and uh, so I, I just had to say that. But uh, on a more serious note, um, as, as far as uh, career highlights um, go, there are a few that come to mind. I would say certainly, um, certainly most recently, my experience with the Beach City Symphony uh, was wonderful because it was a return to me after about six months, I guess, four months, to standard repertoire. And uh, as as uh, Dean was saying, there's so much to be explored within that. You you come to uh, a, a piece anew each time. But as as for some of the professional engagements, I, they're they're kind of uh, they've been they've been diverse. And I would say probably the most interesting one was uh, doing a recording of the Benjamin Boritz violin concerto. And I would, I would probably say that not many people listening uh, would have uh, known that piece. And there's a good reason for that actually, which is that it was written in 1957. Composer is still living, uh, but it was never uh, performed. So I had the chance to do a recording of that with um, Charlie Castleman, an incredible uh, violinist um, at, uh, uh, at Eastman um, several years ago. That was really exciting because you're bringing, it was bringing an old piece, old, older piece uh, to life with 
with new um, new players. And um, uh, I also met my wife in that process, which did not did not hurt my my memories of that experience. Um, but um, anyway, probably hurt her memories of that experience. But um, anyhow, um, there's there's another another. Uh, kind of project that that I'm working on right now uh, it's an orchestra um that focuses on the music of emigre composers to Los Angeles in the 1930s and 40s and uh so many of these composers went into film music but as you were speaking of the 1936 games well that's that's around yeah. the time that people decided to to get out of dodge and uh, L.A. became right. such a haven for those kinds of um, composers. So this is an orchestra that focuses on um, on their music. But I guess because this is supposed to be a closing statement, although I object very much to that terminology, um, I, I would say that uh, overall the, the experience of seeing somebody engage with the music, um, especially when there's somebody for whom music is not a vocation is really exciting and and that's what i i would really look forward to with the beach city symphony i i i only i won't mention politics as they are today but i will say that the 1936 nazi olympics in berlin began the modern-day movement of boycotting Olympics for uh, human rights abuses. And uh, there were, uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, many follow-on games throughout the years that were impacted by such uh, boycotts and, and, and so forth. So um, uh, it's quite a study, young people. Uh, to study the difference between the 1936 Olympics and the 1932 Olympics in Los Angeles, of which uh, were made famous by the participation of Bob Peterson. So, um, <laughs> you, should study, <laughs> you should study those things. And, uh, um, I, hey, Joe? Eric, yes. If we're if we're given closing yeah. arguments, uh, I just yeah. want to say, um, I just want to thank all four of the um, the four maestros, since I've like it is like herding cats, and I don't think I've had all four of them in one spot yet. So I just want to um, I want to tell them all thank you, and some of them in advance. Obviously, we haven't had Dean or Mike's concerts, even though we've had Mike um, sub in once before. But I just want to say that um, no matter the outcome next year, um, we would be honored and we would just be absolutely, I mean, floored to have any one of these guys as our next conductor. And it's going to be awesome because they are just, they're so brilliant. And um, even in just the little that I've seen, and honestly, I'm sure we do not deserve any of them, but um, I'm thrilled that they uh, that they chose to um, take us up on our invitation to have them audition with us. And honestly, I do hope that whoever it is stays 25 years, but I'm pretty sure whoever gets it's going to break my heart and leave, uh, you know, at some point eventually to go on and be the next – you know, Gustavo Dudamel or whatever, but that's okay because that's what we do. We foster um, art and we foster Rope. people coming up and, uh, you know, it would be our honor, man, to see them on their way. Excellent, excellent uh, gentlemen and lady. Uh, thank you for joining us today. I want to give uh, Bob uh some time to gather thoughts and Bob, what would you say to these four gentlemen giving their time and their expertise and and putting their hat in the ring 
to to join something you've been involved with for 70 years. What would you say to them, Bob? Uh, I think the Beach City Symphony under any one of them would be continue to be an important community orchestra and play better than ever. Uh, I watch I watched uh, all four of them at one time or other in my life and uh, play under them and. Uh, this this is a great experience for musicians to have different conductors and see how they can train uh, volunteer people to play better than they have any right to play. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. <laughs> well, it, it happens every rehearsal. And uh, I don't care how old anybody is, if you're healthy and I'm healthy, Life is good, and music makes Life it better than ever for me and for many of my friends in the orchestra. So thanks, Joe, for giving I, us this chance I, to I, let I, people know. I just know. want to highlight. I just want to highlight the the joy that I have as a host to capture something of this kind. This kind of show, hyper local. Uh, is such an important document. This 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 hour that we spent together can live forever, and it is wonderful. And I want to highlight uh, the Peterson family. I want to highlight the Hunters, the Perdons, the Cathers, the Crankies, the Johnsons, and all of the other families that have lent their blood, sweat, tears, and and loaned their loved ones to the Beach Cities. Symphony Orchestra over the 70 years that the orchestra has been playing here in the South Bay of Los Angeles. What a monument to um, this great orchestral music that they uh, have uh, supported. And uh, Erica, any last thoughts? Well, we will celebrate them all. Bob, Jeffrey, Paul, Dean, Mike, all the families will celebrate them all on um, Leap Year Saturday, February 29th from 5 to 9. Tickets are on Eventbrite. You better get them soon if you don't have them already uh, because it is a sit-down, so I have to have a firm count. So, But it's going to yeah. be great. We're going to dance the night away in the, in the words of that famous Jason Mraz guy. We drink. We dance. We steal things. I kind of ripped it off, but uh, that's what we're going to do. So hopefully everybody can uh, be there with us. Okay. Eventbrite Beach City Symphony Orchestra Gala on February 29th. It, it is a, a date that will not repeat for at least three years. Um, and uh, it is the Alpha. Alta Vista Community Center at 715 Julia Avenue in South Redondo, the corner of uh, Camino Real and uh, South Juanita. And uh, it's going to be uh, an amazing event. You will not want to miss this. Um, can you tell me, uh, Erica, will there be any, um, any uh, special events, special surprises? There will be all kinds of special surprises that wouldn't be special if I told you. <laughs> However, um, I will say this. Uh, we got some amazing items for the silent auction, some crazy donations, especially from Hammett and from Neft. So I, the vodka, I'm super excited about that. We're going to have a little yeah. recognition for Mr. Bob that he doesn't know about and he's yeah. here on this show. Um, no. There's going to be some fun little giveaways that I'm – Doing that nobody knows about. Well, you know, I guess. But um, and tickets are only one dollar for every year we've been in existence. Excellent. Excellent. A year. Erica has been a wonder in planning this. So, Joe, she's she's the head head honcho for this gala. Gala, and uh, thank thank you, Erica, for everything. You're very er, welcome. Erica Snow You're Robinson. Erica altruistic. Snow Robinson. Right. I was going to say, because if there's no orchestra, there's no uh, place for me to play second bassoon. So 
well, with that, uh, and our all of our thanks to Erica Snow Robinson for the production and uh, executive production of this show. We thank you. Join us for the gala, Eventbrite, Beach Cities Symphony Orchestra. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Erica, and thank you, gentlemen, for being with us today. Thank you. Our thank you, thank you, Joe. Goodbye. Thank you, boys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.